All right. Okay, so let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, you know how excited I am to have this crowd meeting again this week to talk about this vital subject of spiritual leadership. We know that there are many leaders, but um, there are not many spiritual leaders in the same way uh, that, Lord, that uh, there are many Christians, but not many fathers of the faith. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will um, just help us tonight as we deal with this vital subject, especially in the days in which we live. Um, we pray, Lord, that in this church we will be known for great leadership, uh, but more than that, great spiritual leadership. We pray uh, your blessing upon everyone in this room. We pray that our, our ears will be open, but more than that, the ears of our heart will be open so that we will hear you speak to us tonight. Father, hear my cry in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So if you go to um, the front of your book, there's a scripture that is um, written out right on the inside, I think the inside page, or the one after that. You got it? It's uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. We're going to read that together every week at the start, okay? Because this is a scripture that I want you to get into your heart and mind. It is... Um, not so much a leadership scripture in the sense of worldly leadership, but it is a, a scripture that just lays out spiritual leadership. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for getting to know um, leadership principles, worldly leadership principles. There's good in everything, uh, and, uh, and you can pick something good out of, of what is said. But I am more interested in spiritual leadership. I don't know where you're at these days. I, I find that um, I, I grow a little sick of hearing about leadership, 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 leadership. And there's something in me that has stirred me and said, I don't want you to be a leader. I want you to be a spiritual leader. And I feel that there is a shortage of spiritual leaders um, today, in, both in the church and out there in the world. But let's read this scripture together. Um, it says, I, I write on three, one, two, three. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wonderful. You're great readers. All right. Uh, we'll do what we did last week, and we'll all stand right now, okay? 
And those of you who weren't here, this is especially for you tonight. If you weren't here last week, um, this is especially for you, okay? So we raise our hands up. Uh, was it our right hand? Uh, we raise our right hand and we say together, I promise, I promise having, started this class, having started this class, I will be here to the end of the class. Tonight and every night of the class. So help me God. All right. Wonderful. Now, now, now the fact is that um, I've already said that we're not interested in just being leaders, uh, but we are interested in being spiritual leaders. And we said last week that someone has to lead, and that was the first fill-in, all right? So we said someone has to lead. And, um, and then we went on to say that you do not have to be the leader in order to lead. By that I meant that we are all leaders and have influence even when we don't think that we have. That we do not have to be named the leader in order to lead. There are moments when because we are walking with the Lord where we step into spiritual leadership, where now we bring biblical principles into play and put it into whatever situation that we find ourselves and we become leaders in the sense that now we have to say, this is what the Word of God says and, and, and this is the way that, um, uh, that we should go. This is the righteous way. This is the right way to go. And, uh, and we speak in sometimes into situations where what we say may not be accepted, but it's still the right thing. Uh, and so we stand for what is right. And so um, the fact is that, again, we say you don't have to be the leader um, in order to lead. You are a leader. Am I keeping up, Martha? Am I all right? You are a leader. You don't have to be a leader to re lead. Yep, okay, here we are. All right, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she's putting them up on the screen for you, okay? You are a leader. And then we went on to say this last week. In order to be a great leader, I have this one. Uh, and, and it was this, uh, this statement that was said with regard to um, Mother Teresa, and the words were made by... Um, Bill Clinton, after he had, she had really stood up and stood out for abortion, he said, it's hard to argue with a life so well lived. And, um, and, and we picked that out, a life so well lived. And we said that a life well lived comes from being a leader that is following a great leader. It's becoming a great follower that makes you a great leader. So uh, becoming a great follower is so, so important. A follower of Jesus in everything that we do. And, um, and then we went on to say, uh, going right down there uh, to the point of saying that um, if you are a great follower of Jesus, you counted an honor to be following him. And, and, and it doesn't stop with only saying that I'm a follower of Jesus. 
But no, we go on now to actively pursue him. Okay? We actively pursue Jesus Christ. We become um, almost fanatical Jesus lovers. We become people that refuse to be quiet about Jesus. We want the world to know about Jesus and you are consumed with his way. It is that great followers are consumed with Jesus's way more than their own way. They want to know what Jesus wants them to do and they want to follow him in whatever way he wants them to um, go. And so we become great followers of Jesus. So we are actively pursuing Jesus. We're not just saying that we are Christians. We are saying that we are actively pursuing Christ. We want Christ at the center of our life. We want him consuming our life. We want to live our lives for him. So in the first place, we are not looking to be leaders. We're looking to be what? Followers, great followers of Jesus. And if we become great followers, it will happen that you will become a spiritual leader because Jesus bleeds through every part of our lives. It is that the more you surrender to him, the more of him bleeds out of your life. And, uh, and, and uh, I said last week that um, my pursuit right now is closing the gap between who Jesus is and who I am. I want to close that gap. I want this year to be marked by the fact that as each day goes by, I am closing the gap between who I am and who Jesus is. You know, I had to apologize to someone uh, today for something that I, I said yesterday that was not Jesus-like. And, uh, and uh, it, it just bothered me. And uh, when, I, when I said, please forgive me for that, um, they laughed in my face. But the thing is, they laughed because they were shocked that I was concerned about it. But I was. And the closer you get to Jesus, you begin to get to the place where you're concerned about stuff that you never used to be concerned about. Because he just bleeds through and, and affects every part of our lives. So that's where we went last week. Um, we were talking about being great followers. And, um, and tonight I want to go on and uh, just take you now into the next step that I feel um, the Lord wants us to go. And, um, and that is that um, you have to have the heart of a leader. Okay, so I want to talk to you tonight about the heart of a leader. Uh, as I said, I, I do not feel that there is a shortage of leadership in the local church. Men and women are there. Look at this crowd. This is a great crowd of Jesus lovers that are here tonight. And uh, men and women are there, and, uh, and it's my belief that you basically just need to be recognized and released. Uh, that it is that, that we don't see that the leadership of the church is just held in a professional staff. In fact, I believe great staff pastors and great staff workers are those that raise up great volunteers that lead and begin to release more and more responsibility of the church into the hands of people that may not be paid for by the church. In fact, you need to know this, that, that if, it, if it wasn't for volunteers, 
our church would not be able to exist. We rely on people that are saying, these are my gifts, I've given them to Jesus, and I'm offering them to the local church. And, um, and, and the thing that um, marks people out that are real Jesus followers and are people that now need releasing into the local church is that they have these heart qualifications of a leader. You know, the Bible says a lot about the heart conditions of, our, of, of, of leaders. And, and as we go through tonight, I, I'm going to ask you to do a self-heart test, okay? Uh, in other words, I, I'm going to challenge you to test your own heart as I test mine. That, that it is that I, I, I'm going to see actually, actually that it's going to take that heart test to a higher level even than just me doing my own heart test to see where I am. In fact, we're going to go higher than that, and, um, and, and it's a very important subject. You see, it's vital for every child of God uh, to do this heart test. It's even more vital for leaders to do a heart test. How many know that the church world, and, and excuse my language here, but the church world is littered with failed leaders. And the testimony of Jesus is, is affected whenever a leader falls. Now, thank God. How many thank God there's restoration for anyone who falls? Amen. Amen. But, but there is still these, the ripple effect of, of falling leaders is immense. And, and there are people. Now, you know, I, I heard something uh, this week that was remarkable. Uh, and, and this is beginning to sweep the world. Uh, there, there is a, a group that have got together and they've begun pioneering, listen, churches. They even called them churches. But the people who are running them are atheists. Uh, and, and, but they said, we love what the church has in community. We love what the church has in being together. We love what the church has in, in coming together. And so they now meet in what they call assemblies. Uh, and they meet in this assembly and they, they uh, start by singing some songs. They are worldly songs. They are secular songs that they sing because they see that there's something happens when people sing together. And so they have songs together. Uh, and then someone gets up and, uh, and, and uh, reads from a book that um, is a great book of principles not the Bible, though. They never use the Bible. And the rule is you never use the word God and you never use the word Jesus and you never use the word Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and they have this service that goes on. They even take up tithes and offerings. <laughs> of course, never a meeting without an offering. But the thing is that they do that and then someone gets up and preaches just principal preaching. How to raise your family, how to do this, how to do that, and, and, and just bettering people. And then they, they, they then have, have this service that they have on the weekend. And then they break up into small groups in people's homes in the week. But they never mention Jesus and they never mention God. You see, the fact is this, that, that there are many people out there who have been damaged by the church. Uh, and you may be here tonight and you say, oh, I know what that's like. I've been through that. 
And, and on behalf of the, the, the church, as a pastor of the church, I apologize for the church if you've been damaged by the church, whether it's this one or anyone. The, the fact is we're all still human. That, that's true, isn't it? But I don't want to excuse anything. But there are a lot of damaged people out there. And, and, and it's so essential that we seek to walk according to the word of God that we know where to get help when we need help, and that we know the condition of our hearts so that we have this self-test on our heart. But, but let me explain that. The first thing I want to do to you, uh, uh, with you tonight is to define the word heart. You know, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26 says, My son, and that can mean daughter as well, so don't leave me. Don't get hurt by the church if I leave. Don't. But my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. So you've got to ask who's talking here. And the one who's talking is none other than God himself. And he is saying, what I want, what I want to get a hold of, I want to get a hold of your heart. And the word there in the Hebrew is the word labab. Uh, and which literally translated means the me in totality, all right? The word heart in the Hebrew, it means the me in totality. It means the whole man, body, mind, and spirit, all of me. It means that God is saying, I want to consume your life. I want to be at the center of your life. I want to rule your life. I want your heart, in the Greek, the word that's used over 250 times in the New Testament is the word cardia. Well, you know, cardiac, you know, heart. The word carries the thought of the center and seat of both spiritual and physical life. That's what it means. The center of both physical and spiritual life. It carries the further thought of link, the linking of the mind being the fountain and throne of all our passions, the mind, the, the, the place where desires and appetites and affections and purposes and endeavors. It means the total human person. It means everything that we are, God is saying, I want your heart. I, I don't want just your body. I don't want you just sitting on a pew. I don't want you just turning up at the set time. I don't want you just following behind your wife as she comes into church. I want you. I want everything that there is about you. I want the total you. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, it says, as a man thinks, in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, so what, what God is looking for and what he is looking into as he looks down on you tonight. Uh, and how many know he's a big God and he knows you as an individual. <laughs> and he has this amazing ability to know you all individually, love you the same. But he looks right into your mind and heart tonight. Uh, and, and he's looking to see what makes you tick. <laughs> what, what is it that's at the center of your life that motivates you? See, see, listen, listen. Whatever fills a man, drives a man. Okay, whatever fills a man, drives a man. So whatever now consumes your mind and your thinking, whatever now is the major thing that is 
now driving your life is that which is now where your heart is. <laughs> so that your heart is in this place now of being driven along by whatever consumes you. <laughs> Whatever takes up your thinking most of the day. And, and God is saying, I want to be there. I want to be the main center of your life. I want to be the one that drives your life. Uh, and, and, and I can tell you something else. And this isn't in your notes, but it's worth telling you. God is jealous. If he doesn't get your heart, he's jealous of anyone and anything else that gets your heart. He says, I, I am your God. <laughs> I am your creator. I am the one that provided your savior, Jesus. And I want to consume your life. So, so you can see from this definition of what heart is and what the heart is in scripture. It, it's very important that we know our hearts. It's very important that we become vulnerable enough to say, this is where I'm at. This is what is consuming me. This is what drives me. And if it's not God, and if it isn't Jesus on the throne of your life, then, then, then you've got a jealous God that's chasing you down. Because I want to tell you, he'll never, he'll never let you go on your own way. You know, I, I, I have to admit to you, there have been occasions in this long life that I've lived that I've wandered away from God. Well, I thought I've wandered away from God. But the fact is, he never stops following me. I, I, and I, and I, I call him the heavenly sheepdog. He, he hunts me down. And, and I find that I am never happy when I'm away from God. I am never happy when I'm doing my own thing. I am never happy when I know that I'm involved now in stuff that is not pleasing to him. I, I find there's something inside of me that calls me, that beckons me, that tells me, you shouldn't be there, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be saying that. And, and you're in this place of saying, oh God, I can't get anywhere from you. The psalmist said that. Didn't he? he said, if I go up into heaven, you're there. If I go down into the depths, you are there. He says, there's nowhere where you are not. And he hunts us down. Because see, once you've experienced knowing God in the center of your being, controlling your heart, you don't want anything else because nothing else satisfies like he satisfies. And you want everything that he is giving to you. So it's important that we know our hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34 uh, and, um, and 35, Out of the, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. <laughs> yeah. You know, in seeking to lead people, we take on huge response, responsibilities. Um, because now, whatever we do or say not only affects us, it affects those that we are seeking to lead. And, and so it's essential that we know ourselves, that we know the condition of our heart, so that before we seek to minister to others, whose lives we can easily wreck, as we've said already, uh, whose lives that can be messed up, just by the look on our face sometimes. Uh, you know, you, people, people get to know you, don't they? 
you know. Mm -hmm. Letty, Letty knows me more than anyone. And uh, it, really, it, it really gets me mad because she can tell how I'm thinking just by the look on my face. And she says, what kind of day you had then? Oh, I've had a great day. And she says, it don't look like. And you're quiet. What's going on? Oh, it gets me so mad. Then. But, but the thing is, she knows how to do that. And, and, and others on staff, you know, people who have been around me now 13, 14 years, they, they look at me and they say, and, and I get shocked, you know, they say, you okay? And I haven't said a word, but it's written on your face. And, and so it's important that we know the state of our heart because now we begin to affect others that we are, are being led by God to lead. We are affecting others that are around us that now we are seeking to influence for the kingdom of God. Uh, we, we, we long for them to see if they're going to see anything. We want them to see Jesus, don't we? We don't want them to see John King anyway. We want them to see Jesus. And, and, and I, I, I'm not so worried about people following me, but I want them to follow the Jesus in me. I, I want them to see Jesus. And, and, and the Bible is very, very um, certain about the fact that we need to know the state of our hearts. You see, there are various heart conditions. Let me give you a few. Here's one that is in your notes. A proud heart. Uh, and the scripture that I quote there is 2 Chronicles 32, 25. It says, But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up, therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Now, now let me tell you about Hezekiah. He Hezekiah was a great I mean, a great Old Testament leader. He, he was a man that moved under the anointing of God. Uh, and he did remarkable things. He, he led the people of God, the Jews, he led them from a place of defeat and idolatry. He, he led them from that place where the, they were continually defeated by their enemies and they were worshipping idols more than God. He led them from that place to now being a blessing to God. He led them to, for instance, a true place of worship. He got worship restored like it should be in the tabernacle of God. He, he, he now restored true worship of God. But in this chapter that we've just read, 2 Chronicles 32, we told that for a brief point of time, for a brief point of time, it would seem that Hezekiah's heart was lifted up. And the verse continues, and therefore there was wrath looming over him. Oh, uh, that's a dangerous place, isn't it? <laughs> to have the wrath of God looming over you. But let me tell you this. I believe in Christians, the number one thing that God hates is pride. Uh, and, uh, and, and there are reasons for that, you know. Uh, and um, when we allow our hearts to be gripped by pride, that becomes the most success-robbing part of our lives. 
that now now everything is affected it is it is a success a success ruining it is a leader ruining condition when a man or woman is lifted up in pride you know as i thought about this uh, my mind went straight back um, to when i was in my early 20s uh, i was a pastor far too young uh, I started pastoring my first church when I was 20 years of age, and, um, and, and I was far too young, really. I, I don't believe that I came anywhere near, near being equipped and ready to pastor until I reached 30, uh, but uh, things changed after 30 in a big way for me. But um, I, I remember being in my early 20s, and I longed, oh, I mean, I longed to be a pastor, uh, I had had two or three years training under some of the best men of God in our country, and I longed for the chance to lead. I, I longed to be a pastor. Uh, and I was helping this small church in the middle of England, and um, I was serving this church under the authority of a pastor of a bigger church in the next city over, and, um, and, and he was a great man of God uh, and the church that I was looking after was growing and growing and growing. And, um, and, and this godly man was speaking into my life and, and, and he was helping me. I actually lived in his home for a while. And, um, uh, and, but, but what I was doing is this. I, I got, what, and, and here's a little bit of homework. You need to write this down. I, I want you to look up in scripture the story of Absalom. Okay. All right. Look up the story of Absalom, not now, but when you get home, and read the story, okay? Absalom. And I had an Absalom spirit. I tell you why. Because behind that pastor's back, the one who was speaking into my life and leading me, uh, I was now talking to the leaders the elders of this small church that I was looking after while he was in the big church and I was looking after this little church, I, I was actually dropping out thoughts to them, you know, I think, I think you should make me your pastor. I think that we could see this grow quicker. <laughs> I, I, I think that we could take this where it can never go in the situation that we're in right now. And I, 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 I really think that... Um, uh, that you ought to approach him and say, it's time that John became your pastor. Well, that happened. And uh, this godly pastor uh, was concerned, but he consented. Uh, and and uh, he, never, he never rebuked me. He never said a thing to me of rebuke. But I could tell by the look on his face, he was hurt. He was hurt by the whole thing. Well, the story comes that I, I became the pastor of that church and, um, and uh, all hell broke loose. Oh, I mean, everything started to go wrong. Uh, I, I, I mean, that church, uh, well, it, it was as if, and, and, and I was walking around as if I had this continual cloud over my head. I, I, I was walking around with this, this um, knowing on the inside that I had deliberately hurt a man of God. 
that I had now done something that was absolutely full of pride, and for the next two years I was, uh, I was miserable. <laughs> absolutely miserable. Well, the end result was that I finally left that town, and I, I took uh, another church in another city. But I still wasn't feeling right on the inside, and, um, and things were not going right there. And um, I was gripped by a spiritual condition called a pride-filled heart. Okay. A, a pride-filled heart. Now, that's a serious heart condition. A serious heart condition. But there's another heart condition that's mentioned in this scripture, and it's called a humbled heart. It says in verse 26 of 2 Chronicles 32, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. Now listen, um, and, and you need to know, you're not looking at a guy of perfection. I battle this all the time. All right, L listen. Uh, I battle my own ego most of the time. Uh, the devil thinks that I'm better than I am. And, uh, or, or he makes me think that I'm better than I am. And, uh, and, and uh, other people like to tell me that until I upset them, and then they don't tell me it again, that you're a great guy, John. You know? but, but the thing is that, that you battle this pride thing all the time. It's a devilish attack that comes against us. And actually, the Scripture says this in Proverbs 16, 18, that pride comes before a fall. And so we need to be humble before the Lord and not allow the evil of this age, namely pride, to grip us. Because people are being told these days, you are great, you can make it, you are fantastic, you are excellent, you are almost God. I call it the Oprah Winfrey factor. <laughs> I want to tell you at the root of us, we are absolutely putrid. Left to ourselves, we are nothing but sin. We're only great. We're only excellent. We only get where we should be by the fact of Jesus living on the inside of us. He is the one that makes the difference. And the more of us that he gets, the better we become. But we're always battling this thing called pride. And, and, and we need to see this. The scripture says, 1 Peter 5 verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Well, let me finish my story. The guy's name was Pastor Ken. His name is Pastor Ken Rollins. No, he lived in... What was his name? Rollins. He lived in Rollison Road. I, I remember that. But his name was Rollins. And... Uh, I, I got to this place where I was living under this cloud so much that I, I um, got to the place where we were going to open a new building of the church that I'd taken over, and I decided I'm going to invite him to come and preach at the opening of the church. And, um, and so I got in touch with him, and he, he was absolutely thrilled um, to get the invite. And um, so you got to realize now two years or more had passed, and I said, do you mind, would you please not go to the church, but come to my house 
uh, and and we'll have a little meal together, and then we'll go down to the church uh, for the for the service. And um, and and so it was that um, he came, and uh, I, I never forget it. He, he, he knocked at my front door, and I was so overcome with emotion when I saw him that I I just collapsed on the floor on my knees, and I held his ankles. <laughs> And I said, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And wept and wept and wept. The guy was blown away because he didn't even, he couldn't, he, he wasn't even remembering what happened back there. <laughs> See, I'd carried it for two years. He had forgiven me back then. <laughs> but, but I said, uh, forgive me. And he says, well, I will, but you'd better tell me what I'm forgiving you for. <laughs> I've only come to preach at your church, you know. But, um, and, and I explained how I had carried this stuff for the past years and I needed him to forgive me and, and immediately embraced me and I'll never forget it he kissed me on the forehead he was a giant of a guy uh, and uh, I find the giant of the guys they've got this habit of kissing me on the forehead it's another thing I don't like you know but the thing is and uh, and <coughs> And, and, and the thing was sorted out in minutes, and in those minutes I felt a cloud disperse. And the blessing of God came back. And, and we found the church growing like crazy here. Listen, friends, pride cripples, but humility exalts. Pride cripples, humility exalts. Let me give you another heart condition here quickly. The Bible talks, and there's, there's many more. You, I, I'm not going to give you all that's in the Bible because there's many, many more. But I'm going to give you a number of, of, of them. There's what's known as an unbelieving heart. An unbelieving heart. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And so the Bible calls an unbelieving heart evil okay it calls it evil so if pride is an overestimation of ourselves and our own abilities unbelief is an underestimating of god and his marvelous abilities through our lives and the lives of those who are under our care the, the writer of the hebrews he calls it evil uh, and it is the greatest hindrance to this latter day taking of the nations by the church of jesus christ it is this, this whole thing of unbelief in, in this chapter where Paul is writing to the Hebrews. He, he says, uh, he, he says it, it, we can be like the children of Israel with Canaan stretching out before us and miracles behind us that got us out of Egypt and, and the promises of God that, uh, that, uh, that now were before us. And, 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 and they fail to enter into the promised land because of what? Their unbelief. You can limit God by your unbelief. Oh, no, not me, Pastor. I, I could never, no, don't ask me to do, no, no, I would never. And so our unbelief of what God can do through us hinders God. And God says, I've got to be honest with you, that's an evil heart of unbelief. When we limit God, when we're in the place of limiting God, how many know that we live in a sight 
a proof-looking generation. You see, faith is faith uh, because of the fact of nothing tangible, nothing you can look on, nothing you can get a hold on. Faith is faith because you're in the place that all you know is God and, and all you know is God and, and all you can trust is God and all you can put your faith in is God. If anything's going to happen, it's going to be God that's doing it and you put your faith Faith in God, it's not a tangible thing in the sense that you can get your arms around. That is why Abram was called righteous. It says because he believed God. In Romans chapter 4 verse 3, he says Abram was righteous because he believed God. Uh, it says this in Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, with the heart, did you get that? With the heart we believed unto salvation. Isn't it amazing that we can believe God for the greatest miracle that can ever take place? Now, you know, you're looking at me and you're saying, well, what, what's that then? The greatest miracle that can ever take place is that you are brought into the kingdom of God by the blood of Jesus purchased on the cross of Calvary, the life of Jesus given for you. You put your trust, you put your faith in God and you are born again by the spirit of God. That is the greatest miracle that can ever happen, ever happen. Amen. And, and, and we can believe God for the greatest miracle and then we stumble over other lesser things that we should be believing God for. Trust in Him. God grant us believing hearts. You know, Jesus in Mark chapter 2, He rebuked the scribes and the Pharisees for reasoning in their hearts as to whether Jesus could forgive sin. Very often we can be equally as guilty as the scribes for we reason in our hearts instead of believing and acting in faith on what the Lord leads us to do and the way that God wants us to go. You know, the, the Bible says for us to know to do right and not do it, it's sin. Okay. And how many know there are times when we know what we ought to do, we know what we ought to say, we know what we ought to go, but we don't do it. And the Bible says that becomes sin. When all the time we should be believing God and trusting God. Uh, you know, I've had times in my life uh, where it, it was that I knew that there was something wrong where I was working uh, in the factory or, or, or somewhere like that and, uh, and uh, in the office where I worked and there was something wrong and I knew I needed to go and, and say to the boss, you can't let this go on, this is wrong. And, and I battled it and battled it and battled it and, and, and I held back and the thing just got worse. And then I had to go to the boss and say, you know, I should have come and told you this before. And I said, this is what I believe is going wrong here. And this is why this is happening. And I, and I basically brought biblical principles into the situation. And he'd say to me, why didn't you say that earlier? <laughs> you see, the fact is that we, we reason in our minds. We reason in our hearts before we do what we know that we should do. Oh, I could stay there for a long time. But let me go on. <laughs> so we need to have... A heart that believes that God has saved us, that he's now controlling our lives and consuming our lives and taking us in the direction he wants us to go. 
and, and, and that he can take us where we can't take ourselves, that we don't need to remain down here, we can rise that it is that he, by his spirit, can now enable us to rise. He can make a way where there's no way. He can make a path where there has been no path. He says, follow me and I will make you. Yeah, that's what he says in the scripture. He said to those fishermen, follow me and I will make you. I know he went on the same fishes of men. But the fact is this, that if you give your life into the hands of God and you believe that your life is now in his hands, he will make you what he wants you to be and he'll take you where you will never ever take yourself now I, I don't want to disillusion anyone here tonight but you probably guessed it already anyway but you know I should never be leading a church like this I barely made it through high school I never went to college I've never been to Bible college and uh, I, 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 I sometimes am in prayer and I have to pinch myself to believe that God has opened a way for me. I should never have been in America. In fact, when I got here, uh, you know, it wasn't long before I not only had friends, but I had some enemies as well. But the thing was <laughs> that, um, that I, one guy said, I can't believe that we have a pastor in our pulpit who has never been to college. I said, I said, whoa, you wouldn't even add Jesus in your pulpit then. But the thing is, that <laughs> he makes a way where there's no way. Oh, I'm not decrying college. I wish I had gone to college. I wish I could be better than I am in that sense of education, maybe. But I know this, that education or no education is no limit to God. Amen. He can do abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think and take us where we could never take ourselves. So the fact is that we must believe that he is able to do it. You know, um, it, 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 it was almost with me like um, Abraham when um, Abraham was too told, leave your kindred and your family and go to the place where I'm going to take you. When I came here, uh, you know, uh, Abraham probably went to God and said, where are we going? And he'd say, he didn't tell him. He just said, go. And, and, and Letty and others came to me and said, where are you going? I said, well, I know it's America, but don't ask me anything else. I don't know where we're going, but here we go. And, and we followed God. You see, he makes the way. Now, go on. Not only a believing heart, but a burning heart. Are you all with me? Yep. Yes. Are you all awake? Yes. yes. All right. Nudge the one next to you. Say, this is wait worth waking up for. All right. Uh, that's good, 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 good. Wait. I want to talk to you about a burning heart. Burning heart. Luke 24, 32, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? Uh, God's looking for this kind of heart in a leader. He's looking for a leader with a burning heart. I, I, I want you to note that their hearts glowed and burned with love and zeal. And the reason was this, it, it was all a result of who they'd been with while he talked with us. So their hearts were burning because they'd been talking with Jesus. And let me tell you that again. Their hearts were burning because they'd been talking to Jesus. Yes. Uh -huh. 
you know, I'm going to say that again because six of you got it that time. But their hearts were burning because they'd been talking to Jesus. Amen. That's right. You know the problem with many church leaders? We can become busy executives. And we're so busy working for God that we have no time to spend with God. He's the only one that can make our hearts burn, friends. The only one that can make our hearts burn is Jesus. I found this, that Jesus can accomplish more in one hour spent with him in his presence than we can accomplish months and months and months of running around doing our own stuff. That, that just one hour with him... Uh, uh, causes us now to break loose from going around in ever-increasing circles. And, and we need to get this lost art back. Uh, listen, listen, if, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm touching you tonight and, and you, you're getting a little bit convicted, thank God, thank God right now. You need convicting, all right? And, and, and I'll let you know, I'm being convicted as I'm speaking the word, so we're on the same page. But listen, listen, please. That it is that we've got to get back to spending time with God. Amen. We've got to get back to closing ourselves into His presence. Mm-hmm. We've got to get back to resting in the presence of Jesus. Because he is the one that makes your heart burn. I, don't, I didn't say he gives your heart burn. I said he makes your heart burn. There's something that happens on the inside. And, and, and then he goes on. He, he says not only did he talk with us, but he tells us what the, he talked to them about. Because it says that he talked with us and opened the scriptures. Oh, that's key there. How many would love it for Jesus to open the scriptures for you? Uh, So that when you read the scriptures, you feel that Jesus is there. And he is saying, this is what that means. This is what, and and now Jesus begins to speak to you. I have this belief. Listen, I believe that we need more teachers of the word of God. I believe that we need more classes. I believe that we need more discipleship. But there's something higher. There's something better. And I believe this, that when you sincerely read the word of God and you say, Jesus, open this up to me. And you are persistently reading the word of God. It will open up to you. Jesus will open this. I nearly said the magic word. The Bible. (laughs) Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. This word. See. I don't like the word magic. But it is supernatural. (laughs) This word. Is more than words written on a page. There's something supernatural about this word. And, and, and see me afterwards, if you will. I haven't got time to give them all out right now, but if you want them, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you books of the Bible to read and in order uh, that I find, uh, if you're just starting out, these are the books that you ought to read, and you go on to this one and this one, and, and, and you can get nearly 12 months of reading so that you get to sense that you, you are reading and Jesus is speaking to you. There are particular books that I believe that we can read in the Bible that open up to us um, the heart of Jesus. So if you want to ask me about that afterwards, you can. All right. So he talked with us and opened the scripture. Don't give up. Don't give up the privilege of having time with Jesus and the word of God. Because that's what makes your heart burn. 
Don't give that up. Don't, don't even give it up for lesser books. Don't, don't, give, it up, don't give it up for podcasts and CDs. Uh, don't, don't, don't give up reading the Word of God for other things. Oh, read it on your iPad if you must. Read it on your phone if you must these days. Uh, listen to it being read. But don't give up the Word of God. Let the Word of God dwell richly in your heart. Amen. Jeremiah, he said in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, His Word in my heart is like a burning fire. Only... Only leaders with burning hearts will accomplish great things for him. And the only way to have a burning heart is to get along with Jesus. Listen to his voice and allow him to open up the scriptures to you. Okay. I'm looking at this um, terrible thing called a watch here. Are we all right? How are you doing? Do you want to talk more? Or do you want to hear a little bit more? All in favor of more, say aye. 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 All who want to talk, say aye. <laughs> ah, you're dead, do it. You're outnumbered. All right. Here is the leader's heart test. That's what I want to finish with. The leader's heart test. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 10. It's quite a, a reading. Let me read it very quickly. It says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert. He shall not see what, when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf, it will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will uh, cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. This is what I was saying. Listen, it's a higher heart test than just you searching your heart. God says, God says, I am the Lord who searches and tries the heart. Oh, this scripture ought to be the regular reading of everyone who would seek to be a leader. You, you, you see, what I'm getting is this, that God has not left it to angels to come and test our hearts. He hasn't left it to cherubims and seraphims, the beings of heaven, to come and do a spiritual heart test on us. He says, no, that is not your problem. That's not your job. I'm going to do it myself. And so you need to know that God is continually putting you through a heart test. He says, I search the hearts. I search the heart and I test the mind. Oh. You go on reading that scripture down through. Uh, when you get home, you find that in verse 11, we have God watching us. Uh, and he's saying, it's safety for you if I'm watching you. For he sees and knows what is good he sees what bad that is coming. A man whose heart is right will be saved from the perils of the bad. The man whose heart is departed from God dwells in a dry, parched land. 
Call in verse 5, a man whose heart departs from God is under a curse. Verse 7 says that the man who trusts in and hope in God is blessed or happy. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, leader. Because we're all leaders. Remind the one next to you, say, you're a leader. Hey, listen up, you're a leader. Yeah, tell them, listen up. I want to ask you this. What is God seeing in your heart? As he looks to see what makes you tick. As he tries your heart condition. Is it lifted up in pride? Is it in the place of being unbelieving? Or is it burning? Is it burning as a result of being with Jesus and and learning of him? It, It goes on in scripture to tell us how God tries the heart. Uh, it, it, the, the, the Greek word for try is dokimazo, which means to test or to prove. So God tests or proves the heart, the motives, the zeal, the trust, the passion and the commitment. Uh, and how does he do it? It says that he tries the heart by his word. Psalm 105 verse 19. Until the time his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. It, it's, talking, it's talking of Joseph. You remember Joseph? Joseph got this word from God. The word from God is that you are going to lead your brothers. You're going to lead the nations. You're going to be a great leader. You're going to be a fantastic leader. And so he had got this word from God. But then everything went wrong. He went down into Egypt. You remember that he went down into that pit. His brothers put him into a pit. Then he was sold into slavery. Then he ended up in prison. Then he, it was just all downhill for him. But the, the scripture says that until that word came to pass, you're going to be great. You're going to lead nations. You're going to be fantastic. Until that word came to pass, he went through trial after trial after trial to see if he would hold on to the word of the Lord. Right. And some of you are going through trial after trial and you're wondering what's going on. And you don't understand that God is trying your heart. He is seeing if you'll remain faithful to him through the hard and difficult times of life. Because when you're a leader, you'll face hard and difficult times. And he wants to know that you'll hold on to his word. You need to know that as a pastor, there have been times when the only thing I've had to hold on to was you called me. I'm not running away from this. You called me. You positioned me, you placed me, and I'm going to hold on to you. And and I'm going to come through this because your word has said that I'll come through it. Until the word came to pass, the word tested him, the scripture says. Okay, not only does he test it by the word, he tests it by fire. Remember Peter, 1 Peter 4.12 talks about the fiery trial that is to try us. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9 says, God will try them as gold is tried. How? By bringing them through the fire. It's interesting. If you look up in scripture and follow um, this whole term of trying them in the fire. Gold and silver was tried in the fire. It was made perfect. It was purified in the fire. So God puts us through trials and testings and, and, and disappointments. He puts us through discouragement and failure, the fire of persecution, all sorts of stuff. Now to try our heart to see if we remain faithful to him. So that we are tried by the word and we are tried by the fires that come against us. Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 3 says this, But thou, you, O Lord, know me, you have seen me, and you have tested my heart towards you. Let me close with this. 
In 2 Samuel 16, a choice is made. The choice is made of a scrawny shrimp of a man. In fact, he was called that in one scripture. He was a shrimp of a man. And now in that scripture, he is anointed as king over Israel. And this is what the prophet was told by God. He said, don't look at his outward appearance. I want you to look at his heart. He says, I don't look at the outward. I look at the heart. And he chose that scrawny lad, David, to be the king of Israel. Now, you may be academic, you may have great personality, you may be tremendous organizer, you may have terrific skills, but I have to be honest that in the, in the, in the beginning, God looks right past them, and he said, I want to know the state of their hearts. I know they can do all that stuff, but where's their hearts at? And he looks at the heart. And as you begin to go through the scripture, you will find that people serve God and put up with a lot because their hearts were given over to him. And it says this, they serve the Lord with all their heart. In other words, their heart throbbed with desire and passion. Oh, I've looked at my clock. And you know what my clock is saying? Laddie's going to kill you when you get home <laughs> for preaching so long. Wow. I want you to know I have the most wonderful wife on the planet. I believe it. You need to talk to that lady. She's had a remarkable healing from God. And... Uh, and her husband has been true to her through some testing times. Amen. And her heart has been proved on fire for Jesus. Amen. But, so let me finish now. you got ten minutes before you go pick your kids up. You know, I, I was supposed to be finished preaching. Because uh, this is, I'm more of a preacher than a teacher. I'm sorry about that. I'm just pouring my heart out to you. But, um, I should have finished by about, well, I should have been finished about 15 minutes ago, uh, to be honest. Sorry about that. I'm just passionate about this stuff. I, I, I don't believe that this stuff is taught enough. I, I think that we teach a lot about principles of leadership, but we don't teach principles of spiritual leadership. Uh, I'm not interested in you leading. I'm interested in you being a spiritual leader. And, uh, and, and have a heart that's right with God, burning with desire for Him, longing to serve Him. Not lifted up in pride, not unbelieving, believing that God can do great things through you. And trusting Him to make it happen. And where it is that you say, Oh God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, that I may walk in your ways. And I might do what you want me to do. And be what you want me to do. Burn in me fire of God. 